President Biden signed the $1.2 trillion infrastructure package into law. What happens now? The world's new COVID epicenter and Sesame Street making history with its first Asian American Muppet. Tuesday needs to know. Let's go. Good morning. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for Tuesday, November 16th. I'm Jill Wagner with Baker Machado, who is in for yes. Carlo. Hey, Baker. Oh, my gosh, Jill. I can't even remember the last time you and I did this podcast. I've been doing it with Carlo for so long. So what a treat for me that I get to do this with you. But I'm curious, uh, you know, as somebody who created this entire franchise, you built Need to Know from the ground up. What's it like listening on the other side when you have somebody like me swearing like a sailor on this thing, you know, doing all these incredibly inappropriate things to basically your other child. Uh, you make me proud, baby. <laughs> no, uh, it's funny you say that because when we started Need to Know so many years ago, um, we were a little bit edgier. Ooh. We were younger. Like, yeah. We used to make like com just different sort of, of edgier jokes in the newsletter anyway. we At this point, we didn't have a podcast. So... As you know, I did sell, we wound up selling Need to Know to Cheddar. Right. Cheddar has a parent company now, Altice. And there's never been a directive or anything to, to clean up our act. Right, but right. I think we just grew up a little. Um, and so hearing you just kind of let her rip, I, I think <laughs> gave me a little nostalgia. Um, that's good. Okay, that's good. Because you know, Jill, the anxiety I had, you know, going to bed every night thinking, oh, my God, I'm about to cancel Jill Wagner's Need to Know podcast based on all these <laughs> terrible things I said. I cannot. I, the, the anxiety and the guilt would kill me, Jill. It would absolutely destroy me. Well, we do not want that, Baker. No, um, but no. let's get to some news because it's a pretty big news day. Absolutely. President Biden has signed that $1 trillion infrastructure package into law. It's a major legislative achievement for his administration. The bill is a scaled back version of what Biden and progressive Democrats initially proposed. But it is a hard fought bipartisan deal. Nonetheless, funnels billions of dollars into the country's transportation and energy systems. Biden said yesterday, quote, my message for the American people is this. America's moving again, and your life's going to change for the better. Okay, Baker, I heard that, and I just thought, I'm literally going to spend my life sitting in construction traffic. <laughs> I mean, yes. that's what this means, right? More construction on our roads and bridges. I mean, you're uh, But this is right. real money. This is, this is money. It's going into these much-needed projects. Uh, we already know in the New York area, the MTA is saying that because of this influx of money, they're not going to raise fares anytime soon on subways or the Long Island Railroad. We'll take it. Jill, we know so much of our infrastructure from bridges in particular, how much work some bridges need to get done because there was so much concern about our bridges falling apart, our subway system falling apart. The Amtrak is getting the largest investment it's ever had in its entire history. $550 billion of new money also going to be funneled towards transportation, utilities, even broadband as well. Uh, now, this is going to be funded over a course of a five-year period. Some projects are going to take months, maybe even years to get done. So yes, while you're correct that yes, this is a very popular provision, what is not popular is all of us sitting in traffic while everything is getting done over the course 
this over the next couple of years. By the way, I do want to mention crypto also involved in this as well. This law includes a controversial cryptocurrency tax reporting requirement. And as you and Carla mentioned yesterday on the pod, President Biden has now appointed an infrastructure chief. Former New Orleans Mayor uh, Mitch Landrieu is going to oversee all the spending in this. So this is no doubt a very big deal for him because he's basically to make sure that none of this is going towards fraud or anything else. Uh, look, this this was cobbled together by some very big Republicans. Mitch McConnell and even Lindsey Graham voted in favor of this in the Senate. Uh, 13 House Republicans voted for it. Uh, a lot of those Republicans at the signing ceremony yesterday. And this was sort of a big moment for the country for this bipartisan moment. And, and President Biden mentioned that a lot in his speech, even giving major shout outs and praises to uh, to people who have really made his life kind of hell for the last little while. And that includes Kirsten Sinema, the senator from Arizona. And, and I was really struck, Jill, by the statement by Representative Don Bacon of, of Nebraska yesterday, uh, because we know Republicans are really going after those 13 House Republicans that voted in favor. We're seeing primaries now in the Republican primaries for those who voted in favor of this infrastructure bill. And Don Bacon told reporters yesterday that that's sort of a sad moment for America. That's something that's supposed to be bipartisan, that you get Republicans and Democrats to write the legislation together, which is the whole point of Congress, that now all of a sudden just giving one side a win and the other side an L is now considered bad for America. And that's what he basically was saying as to why Congress is so dysfunctional right now. The larger question now for Joe Biden, we've seen his poll numbers start to fall into the mid thirties now. Does he get some sort of a bump from this? Does he basically, because he's going to campaign on this, he's going to New Hampshire later today, Michigan tomorrow, uh, or does this sort of come a blip on the radar, Jill, and then we go back to the sort of polarization that we have in this country? I think a lot of it is going to depend on on how he does in terms of putting this money to work. Yeah. Um, and on that note, I interviewed Harvard professor Ranjay Gulati on Cheddar earlier this morning. He wrote this great op-ed in the Wall Street Journal called Don't Let the Infrastructure Bill Become a Boondoggle. And he argues that the hard part in terms of infrastructure actually starts now. And unfortunately, this is when the media tends to stop paying attention. True. But this is actually when we should start paying attention. Um, and to read briefly from, from what he said, he, he writes, from roads to waterways to power lines and more, the plan is poised to rebuild a nation in need of huge repairs. But there is a danger. The bill could easily lead to out-of-control costs, blown deadlines, and both real and metaphorical bridges to nowhere. He writes, I live in Boston and saw the dangers of large-scale infrastructure spending in the Big Dig Highway Project begun in 1991. It was supposed to have been completed in 1998 at a cost of $2.8 billion. Instead, it wasn't finished until 2007. Yeah. And the total cost, including debt financing, estimated at about $23 billion. The project improved Boston, but its legacy was tarnished by waste, corruption, design flaws, and poor execution. The best leaders of complex projects create a sense of purpose and foster collaborative culture. Uh, they know to set an ambitious vision and then deploy and empower the right talent to get the work done. He says it is similar to what President Kennedy did. Uh, when he expanded the U.S. space program in 1961, legend has it that everyone at NASA, from the astronauts down to the janitors, felt that it was his job to put a man on the moon. Uh, so, Baker, he argues that this is when the leadership actually matters. And I guess part of the concern now is that the focus will so quickly shift to that social spending plan. Absolutely. And this puts more, we mentioned Mitch Landrieu, the former uh, New Orleans mayor. His job, Jill, is to oversee 
all of this to make sure that none of this is being spended in a wasteful fashion whatsoever. So you're right, and God, I remember the Big Dig. I remember news on the Today Show, the day that the Big Dig finally opened. I mean, 16 years after it was essentially, you know, supposed to, you know, lay groundwork. And look, a lot of projects take a lot of time to get done. The Big Dig, obviously, is sort of the anomaly in all of this, but he's absolutely spot on. We have to basically, as as as, pa- as tax-paying citizens of this country, make sure that the money that we're getting is going to good use on all of this. Uh, Biden had a very busy day yesterday, Baker. After signing that infrastructure deal, he turned his attention to China. He and President Xi Jinping had a three to four hour virtual summit, virtual conference. A lot of hot button issues on the table, trade, global alliances, cybersecurity, tensions in the South China Sea. Um, And then after those four long hours, no resolutions. The leaders have already spoken on the phone twice this year. They had plenty of communication uh, when Biden was vice president. Xi said, I'm very happy to see my old friend. Uh, markets like that, by the way. Futures went up on that news. Uh, Cheddar's Megan Pratt, we were talking to her a little bit earlier today. She said nothing significant was accomplished, although the meeting was significant. Yeah, especially given the fact that this is the third time that these two have talked. This is the first time they've kind of seen each other face-to-face, albeit virtual. The other two times, there was it was over the phone. Look, Taiwan, obviously, is a very contentious thing. And this is, by the way... Every time the United States talks to even Russia or China, it's always what are the things that we have in similar in terms of similarities here? Because anytime you talk about human rights abuses or something else with another country like China or Russia, they immediately throw it back to all the things that are bad in the United States. And they basically say, focus on your own stuff. So China, in particular, when Taiwan was brought up by the president, basically said that the United States was playing with fire. Quote, that's according to The New York Times when uh, Biden brought up Taiwan and Xi Jinping also uh, or uh, warned that dividing the world into alliances or blocks to combat against China would inevitably bring disaster to the world. So what did they talk about that they did agree on? Interestingly enough, climate change, interestingly, was one area that they both agreed upon, even if it's for their own self-interest, it's better for the planet at the end of the day if both of the two largest polluters on the planet work together to bring down their carbon emissions. Um, But as you mentioned, no joint statement coming out of any of this, no sort of big announcements coming from any of this. Uh, not really even a ton of photos from this coming out of this uh, either. And by the way, we also didn't even get any clarity on if Joe Biden's going to go to the um, the Olympics that are happening in China in the next couple of months, the Winter Olympics that are happening, I think, in February or March. So while it looks like there might be some good news here, I think that the best news is that the tensions between the two countries are starting to thaw out just a little bit, which I think is good news for the planet. I think the photo, as you mentioned, may have been a little lame. Like, what, what, like a screenshot? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There was one photo I saw in the New York Times of, like, a side photo of Joe Biden looking at a television screen, which Xi Jinping (laughs) was on. So, obviously, there's no sort of good photo that comes out of any of this. But I guess no progress. I guess it's good progress, maybe. I guess. Yeah. Hard to get a photo op on a virtual summit, I think. Um Anyway, on the COVID front, the CDC added a few more European locales to the growing list of high-risk travel destinations, saying Hungary, Iceland, the Czech Republic, not safe to visit even for those who are fully vaccinated. COVID cases are rising in many parts of the continent, just like here in the U.S. The World Health Organization recently declared Europe, though, the new epicenter of the pandemic. Austria, which was added to the high-risk list last month, going back to a 10-day lockdown for unvaccinated residents to try to stop the spread. And by the way, Jill, we should note 
albeit it's small, the cases here in the United States starting to tick back up again. We're up about almost 10% over the course of the last two weeks, uh, and we're still averaging about 1,200 deaths per day. But new um, medical news breaking this morning. We got some news from Pfizer related to their COVID treatment pill. They agreed to license the pill to a UN-backed nonprofit. This will essentially will ensure that middle and lower-income countries, many of which don't even have any access to those vaccines at all, can have some form of effective treatment for them, given the fact that, especially countries in Africa, Jill, some of the vaccination rates are less than 1%. It has been really difficult for the COVAX program to get those vaccines to a lot of those countries. So having, as I do, I think what Dr. Scott Gottlieb said, another, uh, another thing in the toolbox here is huge in terms of the global fight against this pandemic. Uh, let's talk about supply chain issues, Baker. Everyone's least favorite story, I think, of 2021. True, According true. to some new research from Bank of America, the impact of factory shutdowns in Vietnam on clothing and footwear retailers likely to last well into next year. Retailers should expect slower turnaround times than many expected, meaning supply chain delays likely to haunt the sector for the foreseeable future. And Baker, unfortunately, supply chain issues have already led to higher prices oh. across the board, from clothing to electronics to food. And we heard yesterday from Tyson Foods CEO on their earnings call, uh, who had a lot to say about everything from, from meat prices uh, to the supply chain issues that they're dealing with. Jill, Tyson Foods, which is the largest meat provider in the country, you know, really kind of sounding the alarm about what the meat prices are going to be for a lot of us, especially for the holidays. Their CEO telling reporters that they have to raise prices because the costs are basically going up. They've seen a 30% hike in logistics expenses, higher costs for materials and packaging. They're already expecting chicken to go up 19% this last quarter, beef prices going 33% up, pork about 38%. More price increases definitely on the horizon. This also is coming as we're seeing a gallon of gas in the state of California over $4.60 a gallon, which is just incredible. This is putting even more pressure on the Biden administration to find any sort of way that they can to lower the cost of anything from gas, whether it's opening up more oil reserves to figuring out how they can basically uh, ameliorate some of the supply chain issues that are happening in this country. And it's also interesting, Jill, because when we got the consumer retail numbers earlier today, they were actually really, really good. And it gives us an indication that even though the, the, the supply chain is driving prices of things up, people are still willing to spend the money on it, which is interesting. So even with the holidays, there might be less stuff for you to buy, but you're still going to be buying it at the end of the day, which I think is really interesting. I just pulled up my Twitter account uh, because when you mentioned gas prices, um, you know, I used to be um, the money watch reporter for CBS yes, and I, I would do I would do reports for all of these stations across the I have a cap here stuck to my <laughs> for anyone Wait, who's watching this. Oh, on I, YouTube, thought, I, I don't thought know this, what is on. my. OK, feet. if you're watching this on YouTube, you probably I, I, I'm going to explain to our viewers what just happened. It looked like Jill forgot to take off that sort of ink tag off of her top that she's wearing. <laughs> and my first question to you was, did you basically steal that top or did they forget to take that ink tag off? No, you know what? It was just the cap to a water bottle, to a full and spring <laughs> bottle. But I don't know how it somehow got stuck on my shirt during during that very interesting story I was about, about to tell. Gas but anyway, no, I was a uh, reporter for Money Watch and I would do these hits across the country uh, for, for all of these CBS stations in the morning. And one of the anchors at the CBS station in Sacramento, Ken Rudolph, he posted a picture of gas. Uh, of course, this is for Supreme, 
but $5.16 a gallon. Oh, my God, for Supreme? Wow. And Baker, in some much happier and lighter news, Sesame Street's getting a new resident, Ji Young, the first Asian-American Muppet in the long-running children's show. Fittingly, Ji means sesame, in addition to meaning smart and wise. The character will be formally introduced in See Us Coming Together, a Sesame Street special that's going to drop on Thanksgiving Day on HBO Max. I love this so much, Jill, and it's incredible to think how many years uh, Sesame Street has been on television and they've never had an Asian character whatsoever. And they said the reason why they created it was more so in uh, in reaction to what was happening in the George Floyd situation and the rising uh, anti-Asian hate that we saw in this country. The puppeteer for this uh, for this new uh, Sesame Street character, also Asian. It's a Korean-American woman named Kathleen Kim uh, who said, my one hope obviously is to actually help teach what racism is and help teach kids to be able to recognize it and then speak out against it. And the reason why she said that is because the episode where the Sesame Street character um, is introduced to us in the public is a whole episode dealing with race. Apparently somebody off screen yells at, at Ji Young to quote, go back home on the Sesame Street episode, but then all the residents of Sesame Street, guest stars and friends like Elmo, all offer support to Ji Young on that episode, which I think is so cute and so adorable. Love it. All right, Baker, time for a little more to know before we go. An update on a story we've been following. The American journalist Danny Fenster has been freed from prison in Myanmar, where he was sentenced to 11 years. Former New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson brokered the release on behalf of the Biden administration. And Fenster now on his way back home to Detroit. All right, Beto is back, Jill. Beto O'Rourke once again betting on Texas, going blue in a major statewide election as the former Democratic presidential candidate and one-time contender for Ted Cruz's Senate seat has entered the race for governor, making him the highest profile figure yet to challenge the ultra-conservative incumbent Greg Abbott. But one interesting sort of uh, trivia note for you, Jill, if he loses this uh, governor's bid, Beto O'Rourke will be the first major party nominee to lose a Senate, presidential, and governor's race on a major party <laughs> ticket. I don't think I'd want to have that record. No, yes, um, no. Does he have a shot here? I mean, Texas is such a is such a red state. Be, uh, Beto has been on the record saying he does want to take people's guns away. I, right. I don't know if that plays. Uh, what do you think? He's behind so far in the polls, but I think the larger question will be, Jill, if actor Matthew McConaughey also jumps into the race as well. Matthew McConaughey has not indicated what political party he might be joining, but if you have a three-way race between McConaughey, Beto O'Rourke, or Greg Abbott, that might be where things get a little interesting. So maybe McConaughey's the spoiler. Correct. Or I don't know who he spoils for. I don't know which demographic is, it's appealing to in terms of politics, but uh, it'll be one to watch. An update in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Jurors heard closing arguments yesterday, and now we're going to start deliberations. Rittenhouse faces five felonies, including first-degree intentional homicide. The National Guard's been called into Wisconsin um, in preparation for that uh, decision to be announced. Yeah, meanwhile, in Hollywood, IATSE members, Jill, the people who work behind the scenes in movie and TV production have now voted to ratify a new three-year television and film contract 
ending the threat of a national strike, which would have been detrimental for the industry and also a first for the union. IATSE members asking for a number of quality of life improvements like more rest, more meal breaks, an increase in pay. And these are your hairstylists, your um, script writers, your production floor crew members, your painters, all those very important details on a show, Jill. Russia launching a missile and destroying one of its satellites this morning, creating a dangerous debris cloud in space. The U.S. identified more than 1,500 pieces of debris that have forced astronauts on the International Space Station to shelter in place this morning. Uh, and by the way, big news in Hollywood again, a new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer dropping later today. And the stars of the movie already pretty excited about it. That was, uh, we saw a video of Spidey himself, Tom Holland, Zendaya, and even Jacob Batalon putting on a short video of themselves watching the trailer. That third Spider-Man film hitting theaters December the 17th. It was like, and you said this on Wake Up a Cheddar and you're so spot on. It was like a trailer for the trailer. Watching them watch the trailer, which then we will then watch the trailer later on. I felt like it was just bizarre world. It's like when people, there's, what's that show where people watch you basically oh, watch oh people my God. watching TV. Oh, my God, Jill. Oh, my God. I'm glad you mentioned this. So I went to the London years ago, and it's a show called Gogglebox, which was great. It was people throughout London watching television, which is great because the best thing about watching television is when you watch with other people. So then that show got copied in the United States. Bravo picked it up, and it was called The People's Couch, which was, again, basically people watching television and you watching them. I still think it's a brilliant idea because my favorite thing to do is watching reality shows with, like, my husband or my friends. And even Hulu and all these other uh, platforms are starting to create sort of watch parties for, for streamers now. So should we ask our listeners to videotape themselves listening to the podcast? Yes, yes, which I absolutely <laughs> think it would be amazing because then you would just be getting like random, like, what is he talking about things all the time? Um, all right, we're going to wrap there. Uh, Baker, thank you. I want to mention we have Mosh tomorrow. Uh, he's going to be on tomorrow, and then you'll be back on Thursday. Yes, big party on Thursday. All right, that's what you need to know for Tuesday, November 16th.